Well, we're continuing in Genesis, and today we're up to the section where we're outside of the Garden of Eden. Uh, it's the first recorded moment outside the Eden paradise that of Cain and Abel. Uh, our first encounter with humanity after the fall, it's very telling. Was the original sin of Adam and Eve, was it a one-off? Or is, is it very much part of human nature? Are the humans good? Do they just need a fair go? Or is the news much worse? There are many understandings of this question, that of human nature. Uh, for example, a classic children's book, Ferdinand the Bull, uh, first written in 1936. I'll, I'll tell it to you, uh, to you now in brief. Ferdinand... Uh, he never really fitted in. He was a bull. Uh, he, he, uh, all he really wanted to do was sit under the cork tree uh, amongst the flowers. That, that is, that's really all he wanted in life, to sit amongst the flowers. He'd watch all the other bulls posturing and, and fighting, uh, but he was never interested. Well, time went by, and he grew into a muscly bull. One day, some men from the town came, uh, and the men wanted to find a fierce bull to fight in the arena. So into our garden paradise slithers a serpent-like presence, these men. But Ferdinand wasn't interested, so he just went and sat amongst the flowers. But who else was there amongst the flowers but a bee? And he was stung by a bumblebee. And so Ferdinand got up and, and ran around ferociously, tore around the paddock. And of course, the, the scouts for the, the bull arena saw him and thought, that's our man. We, we want that. And so he was taken off to the big arena. Come uh, the great day of the bullfight, of course, Ferdinand just sat uh, and admired the flowers in the ladies' hats. Uh, and then she was returned to the garden paddock. And the story ends, I'll quote, And for all I know, he's still sitting there under his favorite cork tree, smelling the flowers just quietly. He is very happy. Uh, and so is that what we are as people, uh, those who just want to enjoy the flowers? Every era, every era has uh, turned to Ferdinand. It's become a bit of a classic, and every era gives it a different political meaning. Um, Michael Ross... Uh, an American serial killer on death row, uh, he pointed to this story of Ferdinand the Bull as a kind of allegory of himself. Uh, you know, he, there he was from uh, 1985 on death row, um, and he expressed remorse, and he pointed to Ferdinand the Bull, uh, and he was suggesting, he was saying, I just wanted to be nice, but I was provoked. We want to believe that things like murder are a mistake, that they're so shocking, aren't they? They're wrong. Surely that is not who we are. And so is that right? Who are we as humans? Are we just nice but provoked? Or are we only one bee sting away from doing something terrible? Well, today in Genesis, we have our first taste, as we said, of life outside the garden. The first picture of life as we know it now. We also are outside of the garden the first children, the first humanity uh, begins, uh, and sin continues. Uh, and the interesting thing about chapter 4, I don't know if you've ever looked at it in great detail, but it very much mirrors chapter 3. So chapter 3, the, the, the sad fall in Eden that we had last week, this whole chapter is very much mirroring it. It's kind of like a, an elaboration upon it. Um, it echoes it, this the second documented sin. So let's see what it says about human nature and who we are before God 
uh, and then how in turn God treats us. So we begin with Cain's crime. Of course, uh, you know, we need a Cain for him to commit a crime. So that's verse 1. Adam, it says, verse 1, was intimate with his wife Eve. She conceived and gave birth to Cain. And then she says something quite interesting here. She says, I have had a male child with the Lord's help. And it's kind of ambiguously worded. And uh, certainly in light of Scripture as a whole, we understand her to be referring back. She's saying, oh, this is going to be the one that's going to crush the serpent's head. This will be the seed. I've had, I've had a child. And so will this be the Messiah? Imagine how short the Bible would be if, if, Cain, if that was it. Is this the one that is going to fix sin? Well, we learn that she also had another son, Abel. Uh, and we learn a couple of things about them. Abel was a shepherd and Cain was a farmer. And something interesting throughout these uh, two chapters today is that uh, people's occupations are often listed. Genesis is charting the beginnings of human industry. But we come to Cain uh, now, Cain's carelessness, I've called it, his, his sin. Um, we read uh, that both Cain and Abel make offerings to God. So verse 4 says, In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And so they both present offerings to God. Uh, Cain presents some produce and Abel presents some of the firstborn of his flock. But only one is accepted. Uh, the second half of verse 4 says, The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. So God does not accept Cain's vegetable offering. How does Cain take it? Verse 5, second half. Cain was furious and looked despondent. Uh, Cain burns with anger, we're told. The word uh, for anger there can literally be translated as burns. Uh, you know, and that, that feeling, you know, when you, you're angry and you want to lash out and you can feel your blood pressure rising, this, is, this has happened to Cain. He, he wants to crush something. He's so angry. Well, why didn't God accept his uh, sacrifice? Of What exactly is going on? Uh, and I know what you're thinking. You're like, it's because they're vegetables. You're looking for a hearty meal, and all you get is vegetables. Who wouldn't be disappointed? And that's God. He's a veggie, veggie chaka. He's like a baby that has a tantrum. He's like, I don't like the vegetables. Uh, but no, Leviticus tells us that vegetable produce uh, was an acceptable offering to God, uh, if it's done right. Um, some have suggested that God just prefers shepherds to farmers. Uh, you know, David, the great shepherd, Jesus is called our shepherd. Uh, I think it's actually pretty clear from the text what's going on. And the difference is the quality of the offering. And certainly uh, in Hebrews, I don't know if you picked up on it, our New Testament reading alluded to that. It was the faith of the offering. But Abel, Abel gave his best. Abel gave his best. Both their offerings are described the same way, if you notice. Some, some produce or some of the flock. But only Abel's has given a description. It's uh, some of the firstborn of the flock and their fat portions. And I don't know how you feel about the nice fatty meat. Uh, but it was the best meat there was. You know, you go to Woolies and you want a steak. and you, There's all the different cuts of meat. You know, there's, a, I don't even know them, rump, sirloin, ribeye. And you, you know, what am I going to spend for my dinner? How nice a cut of meat do I want? Well, 
Abel, for God, picks out the, the very best cut of meat and gives that to God. That is what he does. He offers up his very best. And uh, this is what the law will go on to require. But Cain uh, appears not to have given his best as an offering. Uh, and uh, uh, one American commentator puts it like this. I kind of like it. He says, Cain goes out into the field and he says, any old pumpkin will do. Just any old pumpkin will do. I'll give that to God. And uh, I kind of like it because it's so American somehow. Uh, but it's it's also kind of rings true. I think that's what's going on here. Uh, Cain's mistake. He just, I'll just buy God off. It doesn't matter. Anything will do. Uh, and it's a bit of a warning, I think, for us all to, to make sure that we give our best as well. God will ultimately provide the very best offering in Jesus' blood, won't he, to save us. But now, as those in light of Jesus, his followers, surely we offer nothing less than our best in turn, our time, our money, our energy. Cain found something else to do with his best produce. Those, those cuts of meat went somewhere else, didn't they? Uh, and then yet, as we look at us, dare, dare we hold back our very best from the Lord? Rather, as Abel did, uh, it's such a joy to give back to the Lord some of what we have, to give him back some of what he has blessed us with. Well, moving on, next we see Cain's chance to change, I've called it. Uh, the next section is where God speaks to Cain. Again, it's echoing chapter 3 last week, where the serpent speaks to Eve. Uh, and there's, as I said, endless similarities between the two chapters. But the differences are as interesting as the similarities, in fact. Um, they're both very personal conversations. So the serpent with Eve and now God with Cain, very personal conversations. They're both just before a great sin takes place. Uh, and, and both of the conversations get the human to search their hearts their hearts and their motivations. The key difference is, though, that while the serpent uh, tries to persuade Eve to sin, God is trying to persuade Cain away from sin. He's trying to reason with Cain away from sin. So let's read it. Verse 6, God says to Cain, Why are you furious, and why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right... Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So God is asking Cain to search himself. God, he's called him out on his bad offering, on his motivations, uh, and now God is coaching him. He's coaching him through. And there's, there's two things that really shine out here about who God is and how, and how he treats us. Uh, firstly, he warns about sin. And secondly, he intervenes early. So just consider, he intervenes early here. Before it's too late, Cain hasn't yet sinned. But God goes to him. He reasons with him. See, God acts and he plots the path to peace and restoration for Cain. God speaks to save Cain. Isn't this how God acts towards us? God speaks to save. God doesn't lash out. He doesn't say, how dare you disregard my offering or my my decision about your offering, Cain. God surely was in his rights to say that, but no, he doesn't. Instead, he, he patiently calls Cain back to himself. Repent, Cain. Turn. Be saved. This is the same to every human that God has made. He shows this love, shows them how to be saved. Uh, and for Cain, it was correcting his priorities here in this moment. Um, for humans now, it's turning to Jesus as Lord. God intervenes in history before it's too late 
before our sin separates us from God and we have no way of getting back. But the other thing we see here is that God warns about sin and it's really instructive. It's quite detailed, isn't it? This conversation we get about sin uh, from God uh, because it's very much the same uh, for all of us who struggle with sin. God says sin is crouching at the door. God warns him. Sin is lurking. It wants to pounce. It wants us to devour you, but you must not let it, is what he says to Cain. So so God coaches him uh, to do the right thing, repent. He's saying, turn and you'll be okay. You can beat this, Cain. You can hear God's voice. Every time we're tempted to sin, it's the same. He's ever coaching us through his spirit. And we mustn't let, we've got to hear God's words here, we mustn't let anger uh, turn to rage and then lash out with words or fists. You know, we mustn't say that thing that's, that, you know, tearing down someone or criticizing someone uh, that, that brings us some kind of pleasure. We've got to hold our tongue, we've got to hear God coaching us. Uh, don't let sin get the better of you. We mustn't uh, give in to, to lust. You know, when we could so easily let our minds slip or our bodies slip into lust. Don't give in. We've got to hear God's coaching voice. Don't go down that road. God says in verse 7, instead, you must rule over it. Uh, and with the, with the Spirit's healing power, we can rule over sin. Cain, uh, he, he didn't have to kill his brother, did he? That's the way it's presented. He, why did he? He could have not done it. And, and it's the same with us. Uh, we cannot sin. We're always gonna, we will always, there will always be sin in our lives, this side of the new creation. And yet at any, at any point, we cannot sin. We have the power to not sin. The Spirit is with us. We have His power. Uh, and we are called, rather than letting sin rule over us, we're called to let Jesus rule over us now. Jesus is our Lord. Sin will not reign in our mortal bodies. Well, does Cain listen? Does Cain listen? Like in chapter 3, the sin, exactly the same way it's told. It happens really quick, like a tiger pouncing, like a hit and run. The crime is swift. Verse 8, I'll read it out. It says, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And so we have the first, the first murder, the first, the first death. And we see that death is from sin. And now a line has been drawn by Cain that can never be crossed. What has happened? Cain has made a decision. He, he chose sin. He chose disobedience to God at great cost to his brother. It was premeditated. It was, uh, it was duplicitous, a betrayal of trust. It was violent. The worst of the human heart comes pouring out. You can see he, he uh, it's premeditated, like he used his mind, the ingenuity of the human mind is put towards exploiting fellow humanity for personal gain. Uh, and in this case, it, it seems to be some kind of catharsis for him. It's, it was a relief. He was angry and, he, and, and so he lashed out on his brother. Cain was angry with God though, wasn't he? It was God really who had disapproved. It was God that he was angry with, and yet he lashes out at his brother and kills him. Of course, Cain couldn't strike God, so he strikes his brother. And it's very much the way when people don't fear or respect God as Cain, it's their neighbor that gets hurt, 
isn't it? It's the neighbor. It's, it's the nearest thing. Our neighbor, our brother or sister, our, our spouse or our kids, they must bear the brunt of our sin. It's an unthinkable uh, turn of events so soon out of the Eden paradise. Uh, and just like with the eating of the first fruit, it kind of leaves you a bit numb and, you're, and your head's spinning and you're kind of asking why. Well, God, uh, his punishment for Cain, we see it's the same as for Cain and uh, for Adam and Eve. Their, their relationship with each other and with the creation will be further broken down uh, and torn because their relationship with God has been further broken. So Cain's punishment is that he is to be banished. Verse 12 says, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And so the, the lesson really is clear. Sin separates us from God. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, they, they moved out of the garden, and now Cain sins again, and Cain moves even further away. He's banished even further. What is this chapter telling us about humanity? What is it saying? I mean, where, where does crime, uh, murder and crime come from? Uh, the, it's interesting, you know, crime fiction is a, a very popular thing. Um, it's always interested humans. Um, and something I find interesting is Iceland. Uh, Iceland has one of the lowest crime rates in the world. One of the very lowest crime rates. <clears throat> and yet they're one of the most prolific readers and writers of crime fiction stories. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, so very low crime rate in Iceland, but they love their crime fiction. Um, even their even their prime minister has written a crime fiction novel, uh, Katrin Jakob Stodor. That's my attempt to say her name, and uh, she uh, they, they only have one coroner because there's not a lot of crime. And the coroner says that he's always uh, fielding phone calls from crime fiction writers who want to know details. And so he's the the coroner has started running forensic classes. <laughs> For all the writers of crime fiction. <laughs> but where does this fascination come from? Um, I find it really interesting because they're a really uh, socially progressive country in keeping with modern sociology. Um, they believe that uh, society, not the individual, is responsible for crime. So the Prime Minister says, uh, I quote, We really think of crime as a, so- a social issue, not the issue of each individual. That's so clear. We think about crime as a social issue, not the issue of each individual, end quote. And so uh, she's really just presenting here that the modern understanding of this problem. But as Christians, we have to realize Genesis is giving us a different explanation. Uh, it's at odds with the, the modern consensus about how crime and wrongdoing occurs. Of course, society plays a part, uh, Factors, uh, there's lots of interesting factors and sociology looks at that. I'm, I'm kind of glossing over a, a very complex uh, topic here. But ultimately, um, wealth and race and gender, they don't fundamentally cause murder. Rather, it's individuals who choose to act like Cain did. Sin, sin is it's a problem of the human heart. Uh, no, one, no one's going to be able to get to the final judgment and blame their race or the suburb they live in. Um, as I say, I'm skimming over complex issues, but we can't blame uh, other people for our sin. We're not going to be able to do that. You know, that, Remember, that's what Adam and Eve did. 
Uh, they blamed it on society. They blamed it on their surroundings. They said, it's the garden you put me in. It's, it's the snake, Adam, Adam said. It's that woman you gave me. God, you, you, know, you can't expect me to do better, God, when I'm surrounded by all this. Uh, and it's a lie. And it's a lie that our society seems to believe. Uh, but God, the final judge, tells us that there'll be no excuses on the final day. We each give in to sin and we're called to, to confess it and to repent of it. We need to turn to God, accept his forgiveness. But you can't be forgiven unless you admit that you're guilty of sin. You need to actually ask God for forgiveness. Uh, and as I say, God is there. As with Cain, he makes a way that we can be put right with him. And so do what Cain did not. <laughs> say you're sorry to God. Ask for his help. Uh, when sin comes knocking. Well, let's, uh, let's move on now and consider the rest of our passage uh, much, much faster. Uh, there's two final sections. Uh, the remainder of the passage presents two family lines, two genealogies, uh, and the difference is that one walks with God uh, and the other does not. Cain's line, they reject God. So uh, firstly, Cain and the line of killers, I've called it. Uh, the question... The question now for God's created humanity is, was Cain a one-off, or, or is his error to be the way forward? And the passage answers this by giving us Cain's genealogy from verse 17 of chapter 4. And so uh, Cain bears Enoch, who bears uh, Irad, Mahujil, Methushil, and Lamech. And uh, again, what I mentioned before, it's interesting, the professions are given here uh, for each of them. Um, in, in 17 to 22, we're told they were city builders, players of the lair and the flute, and tool makers. Uh, and I should just make a comment on this, because there's so much uh, has been written about what is going on here. Some people get very carried away. Uh, on one hand, you get people saying, well, it's Cain's family that were making the tools, and so tools and cities are bad. Uh, you know, it's like the Tower of Babel. It's, it's all bad, and so we shouldn't do culture. We shouldn't be in cities. We should live in, you know, weird little huts in the middle of nowhere, because look at Cain. And the passage just isn't really, it's not saying that. And yes, it's Cain's family that do these things, but scripture as a whole, it's quite clear. You know, like Jesus was a carpenter, uh, you know, to choose an obvious one. And of course, the new creation is pictured as a city. Um, and so it's not saying that culture's bad. People go the other way, though, and then they get really carried away and say, oh, this is saying we need to do culture. This is saying that this building that they're doing is actually them redeeming the creation. We need to do good building. That's our job, like they were. And I mean, the passage is saying nothing like that either. People get pretty carried away. Um, ultimately, the flood and, uh, will wipe them away, and, and the final judgment will burn up all of the things that are made. And so it'll kind of draw a line under all of those things. What matters is how we are before God, morally, you know, are, do we know Jesus? That, that's always what it comes back to. And so, uh, you know, it's actually good news for us who love making things. I don't know if you love making things, but it means we can just enjoy making uh, as a gift. We don't have to have the pressure of redeeming the world. What if I put the cut in the wrong spot or something? It's, it's all good. But I'll move on. But for people who are interested in that, I think that's what's happening there. Returning to Cain's genealogy, um, there's not many details given. It kind of goes through each name, but it pauses on the character Lamech. 
Lamech is given as a character study in verse 19. And we're told uh, that he took two wives for himself. Uh, and then in verse 23, he brags about murdering a young man. Uh, he revels in his brutality and violence. So verse 23 says, uh, it's a little song he sings. Uh, for I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. And so it's not really subtle. The message is Cain's people are like Cain. They're murderers. It's pretty bleak. Is that right? Is Genesis saying humanity now, they're all, they're all just murderers? <laughs> pretty bleak. I was pondering this question, uh, and I read about, um, and I love this, I'm very excited to share this with you. I read about a parody website, a joke website called Rent a Hitman. And uh, it was originally uh, bought by an IT guy who wanted to like track internet hits, but he turned it into a joke website where you could hire like a hitman, like an assassin, to, to take out someone for you. Uh, and the website has got customer testimonials. So Phil Florida says, they were able to resolve a five-year dispute in a matter of days. <laughs> um, they, they have discount packages, group discount packages, seniors discount. And it's quite obviously a joke. Uh, but what's not a joke is that people kept writing in, requesting to use it. And so Bob actually started sending these through to the police, these uh, genuine requests. And so, for example, Wendy Wen was sentenced last year. This was the headline. Ex-wife faces prison after seeking assassin on joke hitman for hire website. I mean, that is wild. Um, there's this strange later, this whole uh, thing about sin's deception. Uh, how could you fall for this, right? Uh, how, could, how could this website be the answer to your problem um, the judge in sentencing Wendy uh, said, I'll quote, Nobody looking at it could have believed the website was real, but you did. And it didn't just pop up on your Facebook feed, you went looking for it. And the thing is, there's been an endless stream of people uh, trying to recruit hitmen from this website. Uh, they estimate 150 lives have been saved by him passing on these uh, contacts to the police, and then there's been a number of prosecutions. Uh, and people want to be the, the killers. They, they want to be hired. They, get, they kept writing in. And so he added a, a careers page, uh, a hire page tab to his website. Um, and sure enough, in April this year, uh, Jos- Josiah Garcia was charged after an FBI investigation, after he, he applied and he, he, he wanted to go through with it. And so are humanity killers? <laughs> maybe that website is uh, a bit over the top. Uh, maybe it's not available in Iceland. Um, but murder, murder and death is, uh, Genesis is saying, it is actually a part of life. Certainly death is. And, and murder, most of us will never follow through. And yet the anger in our hearts reveals that really we are not, we are not so different. That's a bit bleak. Uh, but there is another family line. It's not all bad. Uh, there is another family line we are told about. Uh, another way of a life and not death, and we're showing that in chapter 5. And so let's look at that very briefly. Um, it's the final section, Seth and the Lion of Salvation. Eve has another child, uh, and she says, uh, she praises God. She says it's to replace the one uh, that Cain killed to replace Abel. I have a bit of a, a family tree there. And so Seth in verse 25 is born. And then in 26, we hear the crucial words, uh, at that time, people began to call on the name 
of Yahweh. So this line will be different. They're going to call on God's name. They're going to walk with God. And this genealogy of people is given then in chapter 5. Uh, and each of them is named. Again, it moves quite quickly. It names them. It tells us about their lifespan and some of the, the children they had. And then, uh, they, of course, they die. And one after another, then they died, and then they died, and then they died. But there's a very noticeable break from that, uh, from their dying, when you get to Enoch. Twice Enoch, we're told that he walked with God. And then verse 24 says, Enoch walked with God, then he was not there because God took him. Hmm. And so God appears to have taken up Enoch, uh, breaking this cycle of death. Surely, surely in a chapter uh, full of murder and death, this is a, a reminder of that those who walk with God uh, are not going to be defined by death. Uh, but by walking with God, they can have life with God. The genealogy, it ends with Noah uh, and his sons. And from Noah, we know that we get Jesus. And so the, the genealogy of Seth ends and the, the view of humanity is clear. There, there are those that uh, resist sin, walk with God, and God walks with them, ultimately promising to save us through the line of Jesus. But there is another way. There are those of death, those of sin, those who will face judgment and death. And Cain's line, ultimately in chapter 7, I think we're looking at that next week, uh, there'll be the flood. It'll be the great judgment upon them and they'll be wiped out terribly, a, a foreshadow of the very final judgment. Death begat death and that was their end. The line of murderers was judged. And so while salvation comes from walking with God through the line of Seth by Jesus who offered the, the perfect, acceptable sacrifice for our sins, we can be part of that. And so let's walk with God and be saved. Why don't I pray to close? Heavenly Father, may we not give in to sin, hurting those around us and being banished from you. Instead, Lord, by your Spirit's power, help us to walk with you, calling on your name, that we may be saved and have life. In Jesus, our Saviour's name we pray. Amen.